Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos, and today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. And look, BetOnline, it's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online source for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props to even the futures so head to bet online right now and use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet when you use promo code believe 50 that's b-l-e-a-v-5-0 you will receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that is only at bet online where the game starts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming into the pod i am back from vacation i went on a trip i went on a quest and my quest was to gain 10 pounds. And the only way to do that is to go to Chicago, Illinois. But I am back. I am refreshed. And I'm here to talk a little bears. And I'm also here to talk some fantasy football because it's fantasy football season. So what better than to bring in my fantasy football expert, my Teddy, my Teddy guy. You can follow him on TikTok. Uh, he's going to give you the handle for that with rotoballer.com. It's Dave Spoli. What's up, Dave? Joey, you're the only person i known to ever have gone to Chicago and come back with tan. I don't know how the hell you do it, pal. You're glowing. Your skin is glistening from the Italian beef grease. I love it, pal. You got a big smile on your face. Uh, and that handle is at Rotoballer NFL. You and I both do stuff for, for uh, Rotoballer Fantasy. And now I'm doing their TikToks for the kids and for the adults who are pretending like they're not on TikTok. But all of them are. They are. Well, Dave, if you must know my secrets, uh, the facial cream is called Ajus, mm. and, uh, <laughs> and it's also edible. Uh, you can dip your sandwich in it, and it also can give you a beautiful, beautiful glow. And yeah, make sure you guys definitely check out, uh, if you happen to find yourself on the TikToks, Dave does fantastic videos for fantasy football expert advice. You can get everything that you need to know about a particular stat, topic, position in about one minute's time, so make sure you check out Dave on that platform. Dave! We're going to talk some Bears today, but I want to talk to you about fantasy football. You know, we're going to get into some players and some specifics. We both play in fantasy leagues together, so I'm sure our friends are waiting with bated breath for us to divulge all of our secrets and our treasures. But let's begin with a hot topic that I think is kind of the theme heading into this year's draft. The zero running back theory, Dave. Now, for anyone that isn't too familiar or hasn't played fantasy football before, typically when you play fantasy football, running backs are the hottest commodity that come off the draft board first typically most years i play the first three rounds i'll grab a running back because the pickings just get slim the depth isn't quite there as it is with other positions and you have to lock that position down but dave people are actually talking about a zero running back theory as in drafting zero running backs for the first four or five maybe even six rounds what is your reaction to that are you buying into it right now and will you perhaps deploy that in one of your strategies for one of your leagues this year? Short answer, no. Um, <laughs> I am Fun not... theory, pat on the back, for, pat on the head for a good theory. <laughs> uh, to me, zero RB is like insanity. Uh, I do, I can understand a situation in a PPR league, which is a point per reception league, Joey, where that makes a little sense. Because in a point per reception league, obviously pass catchers get a little bump so yes maybe in that league you want to go a little more wide receiver heavy the thing about zero rb is 
I've never seen anyone take home the belt with it. They never come in first. It's it's a fight to to work the waiver wire all season long. It's too scary for me. I just stay away from it. But if you are planning to do zero RB, there's two things that a lot of people who think they're doing zero RB uh, do, which is a mistake, and they don't do zero RB correctly. You have to wait longer than you think to draft your first running back. So that doesn't mean you just went wide receiver, wide receiver, and now you're grabbing two running backs in the third and fourth round. That's not zero RB. Zero RB is loading up on tons of wide receivers, getting a good quarterback, a good tight end, and then taking a ton of running backs. Because part two of this is you got to take way more running backs than you think because you're literally just throwing darts. So I'm talking rounds nine through 15, just going six running backs in a row. And you're banking on the fact that all those wide receiver studs you drafted come through and don't bust. But for me, it's madness, Joey. It's just madness for beginners. Just grab some running backs. Okay. Statistically speaking, it's something like 75% of championship teams have a stud running back on their roster. There you go. Odds are in your favor. Running back, please. I'd have to agree with you on this. It feels a little bit like a theory that's based on boredom of like, well, what if I just one year just did it like this? And Dave, I think the big part about it and probably why I'm on your side about not being with the zero RB theory is that the whole reason why it's not because running backs are better than wide receivers. In fact, the wide receivers are perhaps more important or more valuable than they've ever been in fantasy football. But it brings up two options for me. One, it means that you're probably valuing tight ends over perhaps a number one running back on a particular team. It also probably forces you maybe in the quarterback game, maybe a round or two earlier than you probably would prefer. And Dave, the reason why we've always done it like this since the beginning of time is there are so many wide receivers. And I feel like it's harder to handicap who will end up in the top 10 of a wide receiver group at the end of the year than it is at the top 10 of a running back group at the end of the year. I mean, who could have predicted last year that Debo Samuel would be a top 10 receiver who would predict that I'm sure Cooper cup, may be a top 10, but be the number one receiver. We cannot accurately predict who will be the top 10 wide receivers this year. I feel like we can just get a little bit closer with running backs, which makes me feel like it's a little bit of a safer bet. Here you go, Joey. Here's the stat that it backs up exactly what you just said last year, 2021, 12 out of the 15 first running backs selected finished as top 15 running backs. Wide receivers, it was a little more fluky. So essentially, if you have a top 12 pick, top 15 pick, you walk away with one running back in there. Chances are they're going to return value. So let's stick with the running backs here. Um, you know, heading into drafts right now, I think the consensus around everyone in America is that Jonathan Taylor is the number one pick. You're going to get a couple outliers or maybe some some fanboys or fangirls are going to take someone number one out of sheer, you know, <laughs> trying to be funny. Or, you know, out of their own heart and their own passion. So Jonathan Taylor's number one. I think there is a huge, huge discussion right now about who the number two pick is right now. I'm not saying, Dave, you have a consensus on it. But right now, if you were leaning that way, who do you think the number two selection right now would be in a fantasy football draft? Well, first off, I know for a fact, Joey, that you have the number two slot in in our Tapo League. So I'm wondering if this was put on the show sheet merely to just get you on board with one specific player. <laughs> I'm I'm t- I'm torn between I'm torn between three right now. 
And here, and I'll, I'll start it off first, and I'll have you Please. react, right? Please. So I think, I think the easy call right now at number two is probably Christian McCaffrey. Um, there's a couple of different things that I like about his offseason. One, clearly when you have soft tissue injury issues, you can think of that as two ways. One, the first one is the guy can never get out of his way. He's always just going to be prone to you know, pulling something, to, you know, all that kinds of stuff. But the other part is these aren't injuries that are actually taking away from his athletic ability. They're just keeping him on the shelf. There's sometimes when a guy has a deteriorating knee like Todd Gurley. I can think of a couple other examples. These are guys that you just know the name recognition will continue to dim as the years go on. I just don't feel like that that's the case with Christian McCaffrey. They still have a quarterback situation where I don't think they're going to be throwing the ball a ton. And then, of course, you get the training camp story, right? Every single player has their training camp story. What is Christian McCaffrey's this year? That he trained with Marshall Falk in the offseason. And that Marshall Falk, once he began this training regimen, he became the Hall of Fame, you know, the Hall of Fame unbelievable player on the greatest show on turf for the Rams. And now McCaffrey is doing that very same thing. And, ooh, yeah, by the way, he's entering the exact same year in his career that Marshall Falk was when he turned his career around and became a Hall of Famer. So, so I'm... I'm, I'm leaning to – I think McCaffrey's the easiest call. I think that's the one that makes me probably feel very safe. I will be honest with you, and it's not because my beautiful wife is in Pittsburgh. Najee Harris really has me kind of thinking a little bit about could he be maybe this year's Jonathan Taylor. Their quarterback situation is uncertain. You know he's going to get a ton of carries. He's super young. He is very talented. And you know in the red zone they're going to be giving him the rock. And there's just a lot of elements there that when you look back in previous years about a guy that jumps from a six or seven spot to a two or one spot, a lot of those characteristics that Najee Harris has right now, um, it, it's kind of lining up for me a little bit. So what's your take on either of those players or maybe a third guy? Sure, Joey. Uh, well, if I'm going to sway you one way or the other, I have to talk about Christian McCaffrey. To me, if it wasn't for an injury last two years, recency bias, he's the slam dunk 101 for me. And if someone takes him 101 over Jonathan Taylor, I would tell you that that's actually a smart decision backed up by facts. Because in 2019, Christian McCaffrey put up 413 fantasy points. Last year's dominant Jonathan Taylor season I mean, 20 touchdowns, talk about touchdown regression. It could be coming for Jonathan Taylor. He put up 342. So mm. at their best, Christian McCaffrey is 71 more fantasy points than Jonathan Taylor. His ceiling is just insane. And the best part about Christian McCaffrey is he's completely game script. Um, he's free of game script. I almost said dependent. I want, he's independent of game script. In the sense that Jonathan Taylor, we saw him catch 40 balls last year, which was a nice little surprise. But honestly, the Colts were leading in 11 of their games. They won 11. Are they going to do that again? Is the defense going to be as dominant? To me, Christian McCaffrey is the highest ceiling running back we've ever had. He is the GOAT if he does it again this year. Now, we talk about injury you know I love my Twitter doctors, Joey. I follow them. I see what they say because I don't know jack shit when it comes to ligaments and injuries. So I'm just going to say what they said. They said the best indicator of re-injury is looking at a football player's college injury history. That's mm -hmm. how you can tell if they're quote-unquote injury prone. Mm -hmm. You look at Stanford, Christian McCaffrey had a clean bill of health. 
This is just something that came up in the last two years, and they don't appear to be recurring injuries or injuries, like you said, that are going to linger a la an Achilles tear, Cam Akers, or someone like that. So if I'm stuck at the two spot, I don't play fantasy football to come in fourth place. I never have. I always say I either want to win the trophy or at least make it to the final dance, or I don't care. So for me, that pick is a slam dunk, Christian McCaffrey. The Najee thing, I think Najee is a good player. I think uh, year two running backs seem to be the biggest check mark to, to click. So I love that. He click, checks a lot of boxes. Uh, my biggest concern with Najee is, and this is for all Steelers in the fantasy realm this year, is how much of their production was Ben's willingness to just dump it off, get it out as quickly as possible, and how much was pure talent? How much is that going to be with Trubisky? I'm predicting we see Kenny Pickett sooner than later. What does that mean? And their O-line is still kind of jacked up. So mm -hmm. to me, in a weird way, I would feel safer selecting Christian McCaffrey. Well, and that's the thing. My biggest concern with taking a guy like Najee is that I, I feel like they're going to be playing a lot of games, 16 to 13. Uh, you know, 20 to 14, you know, I don't think we're going to see a lot of huge numbers. And I think my thing is I have no problem worrying about whether he's going to get volume. I think we're talking about where is that volume going to come from? And is it going to lead into touchdowns? Because that's probably what it's going to come down for to for a guy like him. The other thing about McCaffrey is, is that we've his star has dimmed. But Dave, you're totally right. I mean, it is just injury when he is on the field. He is wildly effective he is it's not just like oh you know is he the guy that he used to be and it, it's not even really a Saquon situation a guy who's come back you know and been back on the field but isn't been effective as he was in previous years when McCaffrey is out there you're looking at 15 to 20 points almost every single week and I it's a little bit of that Dalvin Cook situation too as well a guy that had battled injuries a couple of times but if he's right and if he's healthy if he's on the field the whole time then you know, it's looking really good for that particular situation. Is there anyone else? And, and yeah, hop back in. I want to get your take a little bit on the Austin Eckler buzz a little bit. Look, I love Austin Eckler. I think he's a great player. I, I find that maybe he is a little overvalued right now. He's in top five of a lot of different drafts. Uh, what's your take on him too? Yep. Yeah, uh, great example. Austin Eckler is a great one to bring up right in this Christian McCaffrey conversation. Cause to me, he's like diet CMC, you know, mm -hmm. He can get you 60-50, you know, 60 rush yards, 15 receiving yards, and you're like, okay, half PPR, PPR. You're like, he's doing pretty well. Now, last year, he scored 20 touchdowns. Austin Eckler, my size, almost. <laughs> Got in the end zone 20 times. I feel the Chargers have been trying to find Melvin Gordon since Melvin Gordon left. They went out and they drafted Joshua Kelly, a much bigger back, they gave him two years to work it out. He just could not get it going. They draft Larry Roundtree two years ago. He was not the guy. Now they go out and they get 6'2", 220 Isaiah Spiller, who I like a lot. Out of camp right now, he's working with the second stringers. He could easily work his way back to the lineup. I just don't think they want to give little Austin Eckler, who's constantly banged up, all the goal line work 
all of the rushing. Well, and Dave, isn't this time for Justin Herbert? It's in Justin Herbert's hands now, right? Isn't that kind of what we're supposed to be kind of buying into and believing? And maybe well, those they, throws, those handoffs now turn into throws in those situations. They better start using Mike Williams. I can think of 40 million reasons to use Mike Williams. I mean, they certainly paid the guy. Uh, you know, they kept Keenan Allen. They have this guy, Josh Palmer, who I like a lot as their third wide receiver. They go out and they get Gerald Everett. Yeah. Wheels up Justin Herbert. You know, like this is this dude's third year. He's gotten better every year. I just, I could see, yeah, Joey, I could see a lot more passes through the air and I could see them with a better defense and improved defense being up. And again, that doesn't necessarily lend itself to Austin Eckler in my eyes. That's when you, yeah, you bring in the rookie bruiser, you let him chew up clock. The dude's, a, I mean, Isaiah Spiller didn't test well at the 40, but he's a big boy. He's going to be fine in chewing up the clock situations. And they can also rotate Josh Kelly still in there. So I, I like Austin Eckler. I think like if I'm in the middle of round one and I just want like a nice, safe, high floor running back. Yeah, but I do think we are drafting him at his ceiling i've seen him in drafts go at number three overall um which to me you know i could see the argument of Najee over over austin eckler definitely dalvin cook like and and who i want to throw in the mix is there's two wide receivers this year who i think are going to go earlier than any other wide receivers and i'm on board with it so uh, i was that was my very next question because what we're kind of leading towards is you know there aren't any you know, there's a couple I would probably consider slam dunk running back selections in the first round, but I would probably categorize that as more of a high floor group this year in those early drafts. And I think people are more excited about some of the dudes in the second, third or fourth rounds, which then, yeah, Dave leads me to over under 2.5 wide receivers taken in the first round. Are you going over? Are you going under? And who do you think those receivers are going to be? I think it's going to be over. I think I would take the over at 3.5. I think we're going to see four to five receivers go in the first round. And th this is, this is cum cumulative. Um, maybe not so much, you know, in our tat ball draft, which has just always been just running back dominant, but I would think four. And I think it's very clearly Cooper cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar chase, and then I think we're going to see it rotate between Devontae Adams and Steph Diggs. Those are two wow. names I think that are absolutely going to be first rounders. Yahoo has it that way. ESPN has it that way. A lot of the, the fantasy pros, um, you know, that, that have the ADP data from lots of various sites have them inside the top 12. I've been doing a lot of underdog best ball drafts they're all going inside the top 12 it's wild um again that's not my flavor like i don't want to come out of the first round with just Devonte adams that doesn't really sit well um with me maybe it's still that inner bears packers uh disdain but i would think or, or maybe just Derek carr uh Derek carr in general maybe there's also that, that little bit of that going on too that's fair now now the steph dig things I, I i like you want to talk about a safe first round guy to pick you pick the top wide receiver attached to the best fantasy quarterback on one of the best offenses in football who are picked to possibly win the super bowl yeah you're yeah I, pretty good I, he had a down year last year and finished as the wide receiver seven so mm -hmm. Wide receiver one the year before, wide receiver seven, drafting him as wide receiver four or five. 
not mad at well, it. Well, and the Cooper Cup thing, if I could just throw it on top too, is that I mean, I think everyone will probably say that he's probably bound for a regression. But what does his regression look like? A hundred catches for twelve hundred yards and fourteen yeah. TDs. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's still. You know what, Joey? That's that's like saying when you're like, yeah, uh, Meryl Streep, she's regressed. She just gets nominated every year now. She doesn't always win it. You know, it's like we she he literally put up the best wide receiver season of all time. Like not hyperbole. The facts are there. The stats are there. That's what he did. He could regress a lot and still be the fantasy wide receiver one all over again. Uh, Stafford's elbow, TBD. Don't like what I'm seeing from that. But as of now, Cooper Cup, slam dunk. Justin Jefferson, slam dunk. And then it's kind of like every fantasy football draft every year. What's your flavor? You know, what do you like to do? Well, and on top of it, too, I mean, let's be real. You know, you always Stafford's elbow, for example, if Stafford actually does get hurt and he has to sit. The Rams are bold enough, and we know that they're serious enough that they're going to go out and they're going to trade for somebody. Who that person is right now, I can't really say, whether that is Jimmy G or whatever. I think they will go out and they'll find a professional to be able to get the ball into the hands of Cooper Cup, which also brings to kind of another trend that I'm seeing a little bit this year. And, Dave, we this is how fantasy football had always been, but then in the last three or four years, I feel like we kind of trended back up towards it. And I want to talk about quarterbacks real quick. You know, I think it's the Patrick Mahomes effect. I feel like in the last three or four years, we're now we're taking quarterbacks, not a ton of them, but at least two or three guys very, very early in drafts. I feel like that that trend is being bucked a little bit towards the other direction. You know, I am not saying we see a quarterback in the first round. Do you think Josh Allen is worth a second round value in general? Not to say whether you would personally do it or not. And and if not, I mean, I, I think we're getting a little bit back towards the land of finding really quality quarterbacks in round eight, as opposed to a flurry of quarterbacks flying off the boards rounds five or six. To answer the first question, I do not think any quarterback is worth a second or a third round pick. And here's why Joey, there was only last year, a two point difference from Josh Allen, our QB one and Tom Brady, the QB three this year, you can draft Tom Brady as the QB nine so we're talking about an adp a difference of four to five rounds Mm -hmm. and you're only gaining two points per game drafting josh allen then you look at running backs here are two running backs austin eckler and deandre swift who are going just one round apart austin eckler put up five more points per game than deandre swift so you can see just you know even within one round the running back drop off on a points per game basis is so massive and the quarterbacks just aren't and they're going to have their big games and they're not. And I think this year I can name 13 quarterbacks who I would feel comfortable with as my QB one and I'm in a 12 team league. So the math on that is I can be the last guy to take my QB one and I still feel like I will be in a good enough position to compete. And that is a little bit of the tight end theory. And for people that are new to fantasy football, a great way to kind of figure out when to target and when to strike at a certain position is look at exactly what Dave's talking about, disparity in points. So if you look at the tight end position, there's about four four or five tight ends that score a certain amount of points every year. And then when you get to that sixth or seventh or eighth guy, 
the points drop off dramatically. So you're like, well, what's the difference between five and six? Well, for a tight end, it can mean a whole lot. And this year, if the quarterbacks are all bunched together, and Dave, I think you're right. I think that there are probably a possibility of 10 to 12, 13 quarterbacks that could throw for 30 touchdowns this year. You really start to kind of ask yourself a little bit, what is the difference between taking someone like a Patrick Mahomes who throws 37 touchdowns in a third round, or you wait until the eighth or ninth round, get five or six other quality players, and then find a guy that gets you maybe those 30 touchdowns in a different round? Is it really that big of a difference? Now, of course, you're always going to have guys like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Trey Lance that can totally throw this off off the scent of what we're talking about a little bit. And Dave, weigh in real quick. Are you buying the Trey Lance hype? Are you super excited? Do you think that he is the the unicorn that we just haven't seen yet? Or um, are you maybe kind of trying to pump the brakes a little bit in terms of his fantasy value? Um, I'm hopping on the train, Joey. I'm yeah, gonna go. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and hop a little bit on the train. Uh, there, here it is. Yeah, averaged sixty rush yards a game. That's six points in the in the bag. Like, touchdown or more yeah, in, in different yeah. leagues. Yeah, that, that, he's he's a running back as a quarterback. We've seen one of the most dominant quarterback seasons of all time in fantasy football, twenty nineteen. Lamar Jackson, rushing is involved. Five, six years ago was RG3, a lot of rushing involved. Two years ago, Josh Allen, a lot of rushing involved, a lot of rushing touchdowns involved. That's like the uh, Pandora's box to the fantasy QB1 slot. That's how you really vault up. I mean, otherwise, the pocket passers, you have to have a Tom Brady-like season where you're throwing nearly 5,000 passing yards, close to 40 touchdowns. But Trey Lance is that guy who you can take in the later rounds. And yeah, maybe you pair him with someone like a Kirk Cousins, someone who has a little bit of a higher floor, who you don't know, you know. But for me, again, I play to win. I don't care if it doesn't work out because if it does, I'll, I'll win the league. Like if I have Christian McCaffrey, Trey Lance, you know, the, the Jamar chase of this year, you know, big ceiling players on my team. If I can get two of them to hit, I win the league. And if I don't, just like you said, Joey, maybe 12 to 18 quarterbacks get drafted. There's going to be a guy on waivers or maybe my backup who I can slot in and who will get me 12 to 20 points, but I want to play to win. And Trey Lance unlocks that for you. He has a cannon. He has great weapons, and he's in a great, great system. So for me, check. Yeah, from a fantasy perspective, I think it's definitely positive, and I think a lot of the experts out there that think that he could be this year's, you know, breakout superstar, they could definitely be onto something. I think from a football perspective, on a week-to-week basis, I think it is going to be a little choppy at times. But again, though, I think I give that edge to Kyle Shanahan. And what did we see last year? You know, what pumped up Jimmy G's numbers more than a quick bubble screen to Debo Samuel? Or, you know what I mean, a little slant pass to George Kittle here and there. And I think now that, you know, the way that they run their zone offense, I think Trey Lance now has an answer to every single kind of defensive front that they can put up with you. I think a big part about it was, you know, when you try and get someone, a quarterback to the outside, you'll have a defensive back just run straight at the quarterback and try and cut off that bubble. He is the speed to get around that. I think Kyle Shanahan has the smarts to move the ball from side to side to sort of break that defense a little bit. 
And you're right, man. We've seen it. We see it with guys like Jalen Hurts every single year. Maybe not the most successful NFL quarterback, but an extremely successful fantasy football quarterback. Uh, just just real quick lightning round because we got two topics left and we're going to get out of here. Uh, Trey Lance, though, where are you drafting him? What's, what's too high for you? Because let's be honest, that is a player that people are going to think they are so smart that they may overdraft him, and that's kind of part of the problem. I don't know exactly what rounds we're dealing with with these quarterbacks, so I'll just give you a general quarterback position that I would feel comfortable. I think QB9 is about as high as I will go. I can't name that. I can't name nine quarterbacks I'd prefer Trey Lance over. You know, I, I think like I want Russell Wilson over him. I want, you know, I maybe go Joe Burrow over him. Then I'd feel comfortable taking Trey Lance. I'm hoping to nab him as a QB 10 or 11, you know, if he's there, I'll feel really good, you know, and it also depends on your team. If I have a stacked team and I feel really good, maybe I'll reach for him. Uh, like I said, it just comes down to upside. If it's Trey Lance and Aaron Rodgers on the board and Derek Carr, I'm taking Trey Lance, mm. you know, mm. I, I just, I just want that upside, that extra upside. And I don't think Rodgers can access that this year mother sucker what do you think about that rogers well and also let's keep in mind fantasy football is supposed to be fun and aaron Rodgers is anything uh but fun the opposite uh, <laughs> the opposite uh real quick who is your favorite uh just through you know we're only a week through preseason got two more games to go before week one of the regular season starts who's your favorite fantasy rookie wide receiver right now i mean it's chris olave i think he's a great fit with Jameis winston he wrapped up his 2021 season in the 96th percentile in separation versus single coverage. The dude caught seven tutties on throws of 20 plus air yards. He's a beast in the red zone. And as we talked about on our other show, Joey, this is an if, a big if, if Mike Thomas plays, I think Chris Olave will still be second on the team in targets. And I could see in this division taking on the Bucks twice not having the best secondary anymore. I could see, you know, them throwing a lot. If famous Jameis is, ba is back there, he's got his LASIK now. He can see Olave. He can see he's not the other team, so he won't throw it to them. Mm -hmm. I like That's it. Plus, I like it. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that because I, I think a big thing with rookie wide receivers is typically they get off to pretty slow starts. So you want someone with a relatively high floor and someone that's going to get a lot of volume. Um, I, get, I think maybe the other guy in terms of half PPR, which basically means you get 0.5 points every time a player catches the ball. It's a half point per reception. Um, I am intrigued a little bit by Drake London. Just in terms of volume and early season, I think in terms of early season stuff, I think he's going to be the guy that is one of the most involved in a particular offense. They don't have a ton going right now. And when Mar Marcus Marietta drops back to pass, it's pretty much either going to be Drake London or it's going to be Kyle Pitts. Now, I mean, Dave, you know me. I love uh, I love the other guys. You know what I mean? I love Sky Moore. I think Sky Moore is a great pick. But again, these are Sky Moore. I would not take until rounds 10, 11, 12. I wouldn't take him with the last couple picks because he may really surprise some people and put up some huge games. I don't think he's going to be there on a week to week basis. That is not someone that you draft to be a starter. You draft him to be a possible spot starter like George Pickens is off to a great start in his training camp. But again, I yeah I know exactly. It's just killing me right now. Just my favorite receiver. No big deal in the draft coming through. But I just don't think these are guys that you need to overvalue and draft too early. If they are there for you, I like 
the fact that you can probably pick him up and stash him on your bench and wait for a matchup, wait for a hot streak. I just kind of I'm looking at it right now. Garrett Wilson with Zach Wilson out. I don't like that anymore in terms of someone that can pay dividends early on in the season. It's probably going to come down to either Olave or Drake London for me early on. Would you ever be interested in a wide receiver who is uh, just a rookie wide receiver who's just like six months younger than Juju Smith-Schuster who feels like he's been in the league forever? Are you talking about someone that's near and dear to our heart? Or <laughs> which one are you which one are you talking about yeah, exactly? I'm talking about a rookie wide receiver who has salt Bayless. and pepper hair. Valus <laughs> yeah. Jones Jr. Joey. He's fun fact, yeah, just six months younger than Juju Smith Schuster. He's in bed by nine. He had to give up caffeine because the doctor said no, no, no. And he loves law and order. He hasn't hit the field a whole bunch, and let's just do it. Let's get over to the Bears right now, and let's talk about the Chicago Bears. Dave, when I was in Chicago, um, it was a real pleasure. I mean, sometimes in Los Angeles, I lose sight of it a little bit, and I'm not trying to knock Los Angeles as a sports town. They love their sports here. I just don't think they love them quite the same way that other cities do because, Dave, the morning of the first preseason game, Bears and Chiefs walking around town, Bears jerseys everywhere. People were as jacked for it as they were a regular season game or a playoff game to watch some football, go out and have an excuse to eat some wings and some beer during the daytime. And I'm just kind of curious to see, did you get a chance to watch that game at all? Where are you kind of sitting with the Bears in general? And then we'll kind of get into some of the fantasy aspects of some guys that you like and don't like. Yeah, I will say I did watch the game and I am afraid that my gut feeling in the offseason is going to come to fruition. Uh, I do not have the Bears pegged for a lot of W's, Joey. I, I, I listen to the pod. I love when you talk with Corey. I love the optimism. I love the 11-win vibe. That's not where I sit. Um, you know, but I'll say this. Uh, I think Darnell Mooney is going to be an absolute smash at where he's being drafted in fantasy drafts. If we're, if we're just talking about fantasy, because I prefer to just talk about fantasy because at least in fantasy, some of the bears feel f- kind of fun, intriguing. Um, kind of intriguing, kind of fun. Um, we don't have to worry about so many things, but uh, you know, let, let's call it for what it is. The O-line is a glaring concern it still is and justin is still not getting the ball out as quickly as we'd like him to and it's going to be one of those things where we're like was week one totally game plan totally naggy totally whatever or was it a little of both was it the chicken or the egg and we're going to find out this year and my biggest concern is that justin fields is just a typical young quarterback who holds on the ball a lot. And behind this kind of O-line, it's going to be tough, you know? Uh, So I watched that game like this. (laughs) Oh, no. There was some there. And just like last year, there are moments of like, oh, wow. What a, what a great grab by Tajay Sharp. Um, You know, uh, Justin put the ball uh, right on the money for a Mooney over the middle. There's some moments that I was like, yeah, this feels good. And then there were some moments of like, oh no, well, at least we'll have a high pick next year. 
What are your thoughts? Well, look, man, I'm in agreement with you. And, like, I think aesthetically, like, watching the games week to week, I do think the team is actually going to, at times, look better than the team that was on the field last year that won six games. And I think that's part of the reason why I kind of have them in that six to seven win area where I think you're nailing it, dude, where I think there's going to be drives where Justin's going to make a couple of really great plays. And then we're going to get in that red zone. And I, I think red zone is probably where we struggle the most right now. I think that's when offensive line can have some protection issues. I think when you're talking about Justin holding the ball and maybe not delivering it on time, what is that day? If that's red zone, man, you know what I mean? A lot of young players on this team having to execute in that area. So unfortunately it kind of starts to feel a little bit like, and maybe the reason why I trend towards the optimistic side is I think the bears are actually going to be in a lot of games this year. I think in the second, third quarter, I think me and you are going to be texting each other and bears fans are going to be texting each other about maybe a tie game or the bears down by three or down by six. And it's just going to really come down to those third and fourth quarter moments of do they execute and it's almost like a flip of a coin right and i think we're going to have a couple of games where we'll lose some really tough ones i'm hoping maybe there's some games where we come out on the better end of that and come up with some wins um but yeah i'm right there with you the only thing that i'll kind of say about the offensive line that we don't know for sure yet is one we don't have lucas patrick out there two in that game in the preseason game schofield was the starter he's already on the bench uh, we'll see how that kind of plays out. We'll see how Riley Reeve plays out. And I'm just kind of intrigued to see what this offensive, run, this outside run zone thing that we keep talking about, I'm wondering how that kind of plays itself out because, Dave, I think the easiest way to help out Justin Fields is to move the pocket left and right, get the ball on the outside, and honestly, just keep just run it to David Montgomery and run it to Khalil Herbert. And I think the one thing that – now, I'm not with Corey – my co-host Corey Wooten with 11 wins. But I do think, though, that if they commit to we are going to run the ball a ton no matter what happens, and Justin will only throw the ball maybe 20 to 22 times a game, that could be a recipe that helps kind of cover up a lot of our flaws. And, and, I, and I'm right there with you. I mean, that's going to be an interesting thing, right? Darnell Mooney, I think, is so good and he's so fantastic that when teams really go out of their way to take him out of the mix – who is that second guy, Dave, in that Bears offense? And can that person deliver and produce? Is it a Cole Komet or is it one of the thousand other eligible bachelors trying to earn the role of number two receiver on the Bears? Yeah, it's it's a scary situation. But if I were to tell you, Joey, that the Bears could potentially look like 2021 Cleveland Browns light, I think we'd be relatively excited in the way that they run their offense with Baker. They ran the heck out of the ball with Nick Chubb. They used Kareem Hunt. They used two backs on the field. That is like my dream of where we could take this. And that's kind of how the Packers run things. They run an efficiency. A lot of people would be surprised to look at uh, their pace of game and how many times per game Rodgers threw. He was just middle of the pack. He runs on efficiency. Now, I don't think (laughs) Justin Fields is to an MVP level on efficiency, but I just mean as far as utilizing this thunder and lightning approach with Monty and Khalil, taking all the pressure off of Justin and just giving him some layup throws. And and therefore, you know, 
Cleveland never had any true alpha wide receiver. Even when Odell was there, he wasn't at 100%. They kind of had this rotating cast of other guys, Donovan Peoples, Jones, Schwartz, whoever was on the outside at any time. But it didn't really matter because Baker was only throwing it a few times in the field. And when they got to the red zone, they were going to run it three different times until they plowed it in or they'd sneak Kareem Hunt out of the backfield for a nice little dump off. And that's the kind of thing that I'm like, hopefully that's the direction we're moving. They did something really interesting too. Um, and I, someone broke it down on Twitter. This wasn't me really picking up on it, but you know, Dave, that, that pass that Mooney caught from Justin Fields down the sideline, I think it was on their first drive. They did something really interesting and they pointed out that this is a hallmark of what the Packers used to do to the Bears all the time and a hallmark of their offense. And it kind of leads back to Justin Fields holding the ball too long was that so they lined up. It was I forget who the receiver was, but it was Mooney and the receiver lined up together and the defense showed zone chief showed zone. But what you can do is they kind of brought each other together. They sort of converged and then split on their route. And because of that, it busted the zone and it made the guys pick them up in man coverage. So they no longer could just stay in their box. And I think that's going to be key with a guy like Justin Fields, where I think him beating man is going to be more advantageous for him than trying to figure out zone. And if you could figure out routes where you can actually manipulate that, I think that's where Luke Getze comes into play. Maybe they can kind of build on that a little bit more. Um, just a couple more for you right now, Dave, here on Bet on Chicago. Um, David Montgomery, um, RB2, I mean, solid option. Uh, do you like, let's just put it this way. Maybe there's a, there's a rookie running back sitting there on the board, like a Brees Hall or something like that. And there's a guy like Dave Montgomery, you know, who are you hanging your hat on? Probably. I know this is hard without the context of the rest of your roster, but I mean, do you like Dave Montgomery's, uh, fantasy projection this year? Yeah, this is the first year I'm out on Monty. Uh, he's mm -hmm. a guy I was like heavily targeting last year. I'm, I was always on the train of like, He's undervalued. He's undervalued. And now I kind of think he's right where he's supposed to be. Um, I just see him as like a very low end RB2 with like very minimal upside. I just can't. I mean, if I were to tell you he had zero multiple rushing touchdown games, would it be that surprising? Like not at all. How, how many total touchdowns does he even get to 10? And then I will be curious to see what we do with Khalil Herbert. Um, I'm hoping it ends up being a little closer to a 60, 40 split. And if that's the case, then I think we're overvaluing, overvaluing David Montgomery in fantasy football. You know, I think he's very valuable to what the bears do. I'm not in the camp of he's washed or he's not that good. I do think Monty is good in the trenches and can do a lot of good things for our team. Uh, I just think that there are more exciting options going in that range this year. You mm -hmm. mentioned Brees Hall. You know I'm all about Travis Etienne this year. And those are guys who I just think uh, have that same kind of floor, but probably a bigger ceiling. Yeah. And look, if, if we gave out fantasy football points for first downs or broken tackles, right, I think then all of a sudden Dave Montgomery – plays into the mix a little bit and and this is we're talking fantasy football specifically because i agree with you i love watching david montgomery run i love it when they give him three or four you know carries in a row and he picks up a couple of first downs but again multi-touchdowns probably not going to see it um big play potential um don't have high hopes for that you know outside of maybe a 20 30 yard run does it catch the ball out of the backfield i don't think so 
And two, I'm also leaning towards, I think the smartest move for this season is to run the ball as much as possible, which means 15, 16, 17 carries for David Montgomery and probably 10 or 12 carries for Khalil Herbert. And I'm on record saying that I Khalil, I think Khalil Herbert in the outside zone running game, and I love, I liked what Tristan Ebner did, but I think Khalil Herbert can be that home run threat. And that's a guy that in the maybe the final couple rounds of your fantasy draft, Khalil Herbert, who will probably be on the board, is a great pickup because it's just hard to get RB value at that particular point. He's a really great handcuff. Question for you, Joey. Yeah. Uh, David Montgomery is going around running back 18-19. Okay. That's in the late third round. If David Montgomery didn't exist tomorrow, because I don't want to even put the injury stuff out there. Let's just say he did. He ceased to exist tomorrow. And Khalil <laughs> you, Herbert. You're really Thanosing uh, David and, Montgomery right and, now, but go and, ahead. And Khalil Herbert was named the starter. Mm-hmm. Where would you rank Khalil Herbert? Because that's really uh, mm. what his upside would be, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's a great that's a great question. Um I think you could easily put him right back in that same RB18 category. I don't know if I would maybe ele- – I don't think I would elevate Khalil Herbert if Dave Montgomery wasn't the number one on that particular team. But, again, like I would be more interested in probably taking a Khalil Herbert if I knew he was getting those touches and those carries because, as we saw, when he did get volume, he produced last year. I think we all want to believe and hope that the offense is going to operate – and have a little bit more creativity and ingenuity this year. I think the offense running game is catered more towards Khalil Herbert's style. And I think, again, he's the guy that can hit the hole and perhaps give you that 50 to 60 yard uh, scamper or a touchdown run at a particular time. I just don't feel that way about David Montgomery. And he can also catch the ball in the backfield. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're almost a little bit more. They're different physical. Their physical traits are different. But in terms of production value, I think they're interchangeable. And I think we've talked about this before, Dave. I think long-term, Khalil, Her- Khalil Herbert's ceiling is just higher, even if David Montgomery maybe means more for the offense. Dave, we got to get you out of here on one final question. Um, should Justin Fields be drafted in fantasy this year? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I think, I think he's the ideal QB, too. Uh, okay. We talked about earlier in the show Trey Lance. Justin Fields has that same rushing floor. Justin Fields has that same uh, potential. I don't think the system or the weapons are as good. So we're not drafting him in the same range as Trey Lance. And we don't have to, you know, Uh, right now he's going anywhere from QB 15 all the way. I seem to go as late as QB 20. So for me, I like to, if I'm drafting two quarterbacks, I want one safe and I want one like to the Mooney baby. And so if I end up waiting on quarterback, I end up with a Kirk Cousins, a Derek Carr, or even to a, to a degree, a, a Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, who certainly have their ups and downs. And I want like a home run hitter in my back pocket. I still think it's Justin Fields. Uh, let's not forget, Joey, there's a five game stretch where he was a top 12 QB every one of his starts. I think the surrounding cast isn't the best. But he's the type, I mean, he's a, he's the ideal fantasy quarterback, rushing floor, cannon arm, takes some chances. There's going to the be... Deep ball. The deep it, ball, I think, probably puts him in that category, right, where, Dave, would you say it's, um, would you say it's probably Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields right now, and Zach Wilson's off the board because he's hurt, and Mac Jones is probably fourth in terms of the second-year guys? 
Yeah, definitely. That's the order I would have it in. And honestly, the Trevor Lawrence range is where I see Justin Fields being drafted. I think they should go one right after the other, honestly. I mean, because then, then, then you're getting into the kinds of names of uh, uh, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, like Matt like, Ryan, Matt, Matt, Matt Ryan. Like th- those are all a bunch of names who are just really never going to like win you a week. Justin Fields in the right matchup. And I think by like week six or seven, we'll kind of know who those teams are in the right matchup. I think Justin Fields could definitely vault into QB one territory. I don't think you can ride that wave all season, but like I said, as your back pocket guy, you draft a safe quarterback in the, in the, you know, 10 rounds, you know, rounds 10 to 12, you get Justin Fields super late. I like it. Yeah, I definitely think he's going to be a streaming option. And Dave, to your point, if you take a guy like Tom Brady, if you take a guy like Matt Stafford. Pocket dude, passer. Yeah, pocket passer. And maybe a dude that you're saying, man, it, it, does he play all 17 games? I mean, I know Tom Brady is usually on the field, but he's 45 years old. And right now he's at home trying to, I don't know, dealing with personal reasons. I think that's definitely kind of the move right there to definitely pick him up and probably put that in that spot. And, yeah, I like the deep ball accuracy. You could maybe get some of the rushing yards. And yeah, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. You know what I mean? I, I think I think there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of good matchups. Let's just put it that way. They play the Texans. They play the Commanders. They play the Falcons this year. They play the Lions twice. Giants. Still. They play the Giants. I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, green light matchups for Justin Fields for sure. So something at least worth considering and something worth rostering. JF1. Welcome to the squad. We'll see. The, the fight The fight is on after five beers and ten rounds of fantasy football. I, I Who gets to Justin Fields you. first? <laughs> I still believe in you, Justin. Uh, David Rispoli, thank you so much for joining us here on Bet on Chicago. You can follow all of his fantastic stuff on TikTok. And you can also follow all of our wonderful fantasy videos that we're going to be doing for Rotoballer on YouTube this year. Uh, giving you all the great advice that you need every single week to win your week and eventually win your league. Uh, Dave, throw out your socials, throw out your TikTok stuff. Good to see you, brother. And uh, fantasy football is here, man. I'll see you in the draft room in like a week. Oh, I can't wait, baby. And everybody can find me at It's Dave Rispoli on all the socials or on TikTok for Rotoballer at Rotoballer NFL. Joey, I love you, pal. But next Sunday through the following week when we have like 50 drafts together you and me we are foes my friend don't you steal any of my guys i just talked about i do not love you then i do uh, not love I you will, i will pick up the love at a separate time at a future date uh today's episode of bet on chicago with joy christopoulos was presented by who else betterline.ag 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code believe 50 b-l-e-a-v-5-0 thank you so much for checking out this pod we got a couple more great guests coming up the rest of this week and more bears coverage through the rest of the month so make sure you come on back until then be well be safe please be good to each other and remember when in doubt always bet on chicago Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.